The following conversation is with Kaylee Means, a senior at Western Washington University in Bellingham, Washington. You'll find Kaylee to be very intelligent and engaging. She's compassionate about people around her, and she tells her story about overcoming self-doubt and not knowing the value she has in this world. That story is common amongst many young women and girls, and that is why her story is important to tell. I hope if you know someone who's raising a daughter, maybe a teacher, a counselor, or a youth pastor, send them this link of this podcast and let them hear Kaylee's story. You will hear her how she overcame. Thank you for listening. And here is Kaylee Means. So why did you pick uh, Bellingham or Western Um, Washington? It kind of just happened. Like I wanted, I always wanted to go somewhere out of state. I was never like, I'm going to stay in state. Um, But as I went out of state and I knew that I wanted, at, at that point I was like a senior, I knew I wanted to do maybe nutrition, psychology, something definitely like health oriented. Um, And not a lot of schools had the programs that I wanted and that supported what I wanted to study. And when I came to Western, I was like, I've grown up coming here up to Bellingham. My grandparents up here, family up here. So I grew up here. So it was also kind of like, I've been there so many times. Why would I go to college there? But when I came up and did a tour and spoke with the counselor and told them what I wanted to do, they told me about Fairhaven, which is Mm. a little college in the woods. Yes. (laughs) It's like in the sea lot parking lot. It's kind of hidden in the woods there and you apply and then you get in and then they have different major programs. And one of the major programs they have is a concentration. So you get to build your own major and they kind of have more broader requirements i see so you don't have to follow like all of these strict classes you get to have more autonomy over your education that's pretty cool yeah so what is so the the most uh asked question on a college campus is what is your major so what is your major (laughs) (laughs) so my major is called a concentration and i just came up with the name a couple of quarters ago because you go through a process and then you take a class and you create your name. So my title is pre-med intersections of body, mind and community. So I'm kind of curious about the body mind. Like, tell, tell me a little bit more about what's, what are you focusing on and, and how's that piqued your interest? So I really believe in like integrative health, looking at a person from multiple standpoints and oftentimes we part ourselves as if we're like floating pieces so that's why I put in their body and mind because I took classes I took psychology classes I took some nutrition classes Mm. body classes and then also community public health learning about the systems that make our health care which determine our access to health um, so it's really about integrating and looking at the person, yeah. not in floating parts. So after this, you're going to go to graduate school yes. and what, what are you going to focus on? I'm focusing on more the DO route. So yeah. there's a DO MD, DO is doctor of osteopathic, a little bit more integrative, holistic, but still prescribes pills. And I want to do primary care. I'm thinking, cause I kind of want to be the bridge, the middleman to helping people empower themselves over their health. So for people who don't know what that DO is compared to an MD, which is what most 
people think when they go to see a physician, mm-hmm. they, they're, they're an MD. Yeah. What's the main difference between what an approach from an MD and approach from a DO? Mm-hmm. Yeah, MDs, they are taught to cover up the symptoms. And DOs have a just, they all kind of have like the same education, but DOs have little 20% more, a little 20% different focusing on the root of the cause and being able to also do osteopathic manipulations as an option, which is finding different pressure points, relieving people's pain right then and there. Um, But the big difference is just kind of the philosophy and how they learn about the body, Um, but they learn all the same things. It's just in a different approach. So a lot of people may have even gone to a DO and they didn't know that it was a DO because they're, they're the side by side with an MD as well. So Dr. Kaylee means (laughs) future. It has a nice ring to it. It does. Dr. Means is here to see (laughs) you. I think I feel comfortable. My dentist, his name is Dr. Grimm. Dr. Grimm. It's hilarious because you walk in and the guy is the nicest guy in the world. He's like he's been easily, you know, one of my favorite dentists. Uh-huh. He's engaging, but I'm thinking like you are the, so misnamed. You cannot be Doctor Grimm, but as a dentist, <laughs> it's hilarious. That is hilarious. Or like, even if it was Doctor Grin, like yeah. that would be, you know, yeah. If he changed it, but I like that. Dr. Ah, he, Grimm. It is really <laughs> hilarious. But um, so, yeah. I. Uh, I had a chance to get to know you since you were a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. And so now you're a senior in college, about to graduate with your bachelor's, which is, I'm super excited for you. I think the future is going to be uh, fun and, and, and bright. But um, when you were in high school, there was a, a significant moment because as your assistant principal, um, your junior year, something happened where you ended up in my office. And I was wondering what took place that day <laughs> and then because this your story is i believe it's an inspiring story but it started from a really difficult uh, moment so could you kind of describe what happened that particular day yeah um i think some context to where i was mentally yeah. where my actions had been prior that day I was in a place where I didn't care about myself. I I still loved my people around me, but the biggest thing was that I didn't have that love for myself. I was being reckless. I like kind of stopped engaging in life and passively doing things. And that day I had smoked weed in the parking lot and obviously reeked of weed, but I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't care. And yeah. I ended up in your office reeking of weed. One of the things that struck me was like, it was surprising because you've been a good student. Uh, you, you do have good, you know, you did have good friends. I'm sure you still have great, you know, friendships. But you were also an athlete. I remember I asked you the question, hey, why today? And and I remember you couldn't give me an answer. And I and I believed at the time that you didn't know why it happened. Why you decided today to to smoke weed in the parking lot. And then and obviously you come to school, get caught, <laughs> get in trouble. Mm-hmm. But but then quickly after that something kind of flipped. 
And so what what was it that took place for you to become re-engaged with community and people and think about yourself differently? Yeah, um, for me, that was a really big turning point for me because I felt like somebody saw me in a way that I wasn't seen because I was an athlete. I was good in school. I was engaging. And then I wasn't doing those things. And some of the people around me that I loved didn't notice. I didn't know how to ask for help. Mm. And I think the people around me didn't know how to ask if I was okay. And when you noticed, I was like, wow, like somebody noticed me. Somebody saw that I'm hurting Mm. and they care about me in a way. Not to say nobody else did, but it was, it was done in such a different way that it, it struck me and it affected my parents too. They saw, and I was able to open up with them and be like, I, I don't like life right now. I don't feel good. I don't know what's happening, but like, I just really just don't want to be here right now. And so that also too kind of sparked my journey into my profession as well, because it was so hard to get the right help and to find the right help and to ask for help. I started doing a lot of different things and I'm finding now today, you know, healing, we're, we're never a finished product. No, we're not. (laughs) I'm 50 and I'm still like, you know, figuring things out about my life, but also you're right. Uh, And the moment you think you're a finished product project, then guess what? You're not growing. And you're not being introspective either. Mm-hmm. One of the things I, I asked you was because I remember, I thought, you know, I don't need to, I remember like, the idea of disciplining you wasn't going to be about just give a consequence. It had to be something where it was connected to who you were. Mm-hmm. And I remember I asked the question, when you look in the mirror, what do you like about yourself? And, and do you remember the one word response you, you gave me? I don't remember. I just know I started crying. Yeah. You said nothing, and then you started crying in my office. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. And so that was when the idea of knowing that there needed to be a conversation at home about reconnecting you know, you and, and other people. And so I remember asking the question or saying, hey, when you go home, I want you to find the top five qualities that make you unique and that are needed in this world. And I'm sure that... As a family, you probably started having a conversation about, you know, reconnecting to people, but also looking in the mirror and thinking differently about who you are. Mm-hmm. What what did that conversation as a family look like? And so my mom and I, we had a conversation together um, and she was like, you're I, I don't need to really discipline you. Yeah. I want to be your cheerleader. I want to cheer you on in life. I want to support you because you're amazing. And that was a big, a big change for me to like, oh, wow, this is what it feels like also to be seen and heard by my mom. Yeah. And for my mom to realize that, like, I don't need to be so hard on my daughter. She's not doing the worst things. She's just hurting. And I, I didn't know how to handle that. And so, yeah, that's kind of been like our, our joke is she's like, I'm your little cheerleader. You know, I, I'm cheering you on by the stands. And That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Your English teacher came up to me a week later after the incident because I think um, historically discipline in school was you got 15-day suspension reduced to five, and, and now it's like, hey, you're going you're gonna to 
be back the next day. And so it wasn't that big suspension, which I, I agree with, you know, mm-hmm. as far as, especially for a first time getting in trouble. Yeah. But uh, so quickly you were, um, you know, obviously back in, in class, but your English teacher, she came up to me and said, what did you do to Kaylee? I noticed a huge shift and it's, and it really was cool for her not to know the conversation that you and I had in yeah. my office, yeah. but rather she recognized that you were engaged with your peers. Mm-hmm. You were happy. You were, uh, you know, talking with her and it was, it was a complete mind shift. Mm-hmm. That was cool for me to see that and realize that you were being validated by progress you were making, but also the changes you were making. And it was, it's, it was really cool to, to see that. And yeah. oh, that's so cute that, yeah. that she came up and she had noticed that yeah. too. Yeah. Do you remember who your English teacher was in junior year? I'm trying to think, I think, um, I can see her face. She's Rebecca like Wenrick. Short, yes. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Sorry, short, Rebecca, if you short, listen to this. Short brown hair. Man, <laughs> no. I can see the face yeah. though. Yeah. No, she was so. I'm way better with faces. I just oh, loved it. She was so good. She, yeah. When she came up to me, mm-hmm. she was like, what did you do? And I was like. <laughs> she was so great too. She was very supportive. And like, I was at English and myself too. I was not confident in mm. that aspect. Maybe that has to do with too where I was feeling. Um, but it's ironic that I'm a Fairhaven student now because we don't have grades. It's all based on wow. essays and discussions. Nice. Yeah, you still take main campus classes and yeah. science classes yeah. like because that's my major. So I have letter grades. But yeah, in high school, I was not confident. And yeah, that teacher, she was very supportive and I got more confidence in my writing. Yeah. Hey, what what was Kaylee like as a little girl? As a little girl, she was the crazy little spunky, (laughs) (laughs) crazy spunky animal lover, weirdo. (laughs) Were you, I bet you were fully confident in who you were as a little kid. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, because I I remember saying like, hey, I I bet you're a tomboy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what did the tomboy what did what did that mean to you as a kid? I was a tomboy and my mom hated it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she wanted a little girl. <laughs> yeah, she was like, What happened to my girl? <laughs> She'd get me she she yeah, she did not like it, but she accepted it. Um and I actually started I kinda am I'm all of the above now, yeah. um, when it comes to like my style. But yeah, being a tomboy as a little girl, my first neighbor growing up was a boy so I had a best friend as a boy and then I moved my other best friend was a boy I moved again right across the street I lived across the street from Ross Davis oh yes Ross (laughs) yes yes Ross is so great and then had other boy neighbors and a couple girls two girlfriends but I was mostly surrounded by a lot of guys growing up and I was athletic too and I kind of liked a lot of baggier boy clothing and shorts. Um, I still wore wore pink and stuff, but I actually hated pink. And then I went through a phase, and, and then I was like, wait, I love pink. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, now I have days where I wear, like, basketball shoes, and then the next day I wear heels. <laughs> so as you are going into elementary school and then into middle school, there has to be an origin story of you doubting yourself, not liking yourself. When did that start to shift as you are getting older in school? 
I think seventh grade was kind of the time I started worrying about what socks I was going to wear to school. Oh, like wow. that's a, a small little thing, you know, of like, ah, are these the right socks to wear? You know, having that, that anxiety yeah. of like, am I wearing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Um, I think a lot of that too, social media did play into that. Yes. That was when kind of, I think sixth grade was when like Snapchat came out and Instagram, but it was like more of a thing in seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. And of course I wanted to be Instagram famous and, <laughs> you know, an influencer. So I was worried about all of those things and going to class and everyone else is worrying about those things. And you kind of just feed into this and some people have different support or just different ways they handle it. Absolutely. Um, for me too, I had, um, other things happening in my life. My mom got breast cancer mm. and my grandpa had cancer and my cousin had cancer, like all three at the same time. Um, when I was in, so f third through like fifth grade, my cousin had cancer and then my grandpa got diagnosed in like fifth grade and then same with my mom. So that mm. was just a lot of stress for a kid. And then luckily my mom didn't have to go through any chemo. She had a couple of surgery surgeries. She did a double mastectomy and she went back to school. So she was working her butt off. I was worried about my mom and, you know, she, she couldn't give as much because she had to focus on herself and, yeah. and she was focusing on her kids by changing her career path. Uh, she's amazing. Um, so for me too, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had that easy access to support. I felt like, oh, I don't want to add to their to my parents' stress. Like I don't want them to know I feel like mm. this. And so I still struggle asking for help um, to this day, but I've gotten a lot better at it. But that too, like I didn't, I felt like such a burden asking for help. I didn't want to. And so that I think fed into, it's not like it went away. It just kept growing until it exploded and caused me to get suspended one yes. day. <laughs> yeah. Have you talked to your girlfriends about this topic? How often pervasive is it amongst girls and young women based on your experience? To have um, insecurities within yeah. like body and imaging. Yeah. Oh, it's so prevalent. And, um, even to this day, like the other day, I just didn't feel pretty, but I knew that it was my brain. Mm. Like it was some part of my brain that was telling me that you're not pretty today. Even though, you know, I tried to put on some makeup, but then I washed it off and I was like, this is dumb. Like I'm pretty, like it's okay. And, and just knowing that like, it's okay to feel that way. And a lot of my friends and I will, like, reach out to each other and be like, I just don't feel pretty today. And we'll give each other those affirmations that, like, oh, you're beautiful inside and out. Um, and it's 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 a tricky thing because it it's a consistent, like, having to affirm yourself, affirm your friends, and knowing that when you have a down day, it doesn't mean you've gone backwards. Yeah. It's just you're having a down day. I want to go back to that. Um, that idea of asking for help because I do believe that we have a hard time because we're we're prideful people <laughs> uh, of asking for help. 
but you realize the the moment you ask for help and people are always there. One day, you have to meet a friend of mine. His name is Barry Long, and mm-hmm. Barry Long is uh, actually going to be on the podcast because of his incredible uh, oh, story. Cool. And he specifically talks about asking for help mm-hmm. because. You know, he's in a wheelchair and, and in order for him to get around, mm. he has to be able to ask for it. And and he said, you know, if he was not in a wheelchair, he'd be struggling with the idea of asking for help. Yeah, It's also one of those things that when you ask for help and someone helps you, they get a good feeling themselves. Yeah. And you get a good feeling mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And here's the weird thing. If someone is watching from the outside... They get the exact same good feeling mm. when they watch that interaction. Do you want me to nerd out on you? For oh, I want that. Please. <laughs> That's from your uh, mirror neurons that we have inside of us. Um, when you look at something and then you can sort of feel that, we call it empathy. Yep. But it's based off of our mirror neurons in our body. But yeah, people people want to help. Like they want to be there. They want to connect. I also had to kind of think about, like, I love helping people. I'm such a caring person. I think it has to do with how I grew up, too, caring for, like, more of my family members. And I had, like, I was able to be a kid, but not as much of a kid maybe as some other people. But it, it goes both ways, sure. you know. We all we all have our own struggles. One of the things that I've noticed, and that is, you know, boys and girls socially have similar needs, Definitely. But I see a different societal expectations and societal pressures on girls compared to boys. Mm-hmm. What's your kind of take on that? I've worked with enough kids over the years to, to think there is definitely something going on in society. Yeah. What do you think that comes from? Oh, that is a deeply rooted question. <laughs> <laughs> Patriarchy, maybe a little mm. bit. Um, if you don't yeah. know what patriarchy is, it's essentially a system that is geared towards corporation and um, money um, feeding off of kind of sexualizing women, objectifying women. Um, I actually just went to a panel the other day too called ecofeminism. So Mm -hmm. not only objectifying women, but objectifying the environment around us. And once you objectify something, you can control it a little easier, manipulate it a little easier. Um, So it's so deeply rooted because, you know, we've, we've come through a lot of change, but a hundred years ago, the classic wife is taking care of the kids has to wear this has to wear that and um men on the flip side have their own downfalls with um not being able to talk about their emotions as much (laughs) which is totally okay men boys cry too um but yeah i think that really is a way of where it came from and then introducing social media in different ways that Um, Women are sexualized and have expectations to act how girls may look online and think they should act this way because they see that um, TikTok now, I can't imagine, I didn't grow up with TikTok, but we did have Vine for like a little bit. But TikTok, how the algorithm works is it it feeds what you are looking at. So if you're consistently, even, even like some girl could have a really pretty girl all the time you know i unfollowed a lot of people on instagram that 
I didn't feel as good that I was comparing. Mm. Like it wasn't necessarily their fault, um, but I was comparing myself because they were posting a lot more bodily images or they've gotten work done. And I at the moment didn't think we all think that a lot of these things are natural, um, but a lot of and it's okay that it's unnatural, but I think that just puts unrealistic expectations on women and girls to present themselves every day when maybe they can't because it's unrealistic. That algorithm of TikTok is crazy. It is. And the idea that a kid who's maybe a little insecure mm-hmm. is interested in maybe fitness or beauty or something and then all of a sudden everything they get is that reinforcement and it's like a wave of more and more and more yeah and i think that becomes so consuming and it also it rewires your brain to think differently and that's why i think people should get rid of tiktok because it is it reinforces something that i think fundamentally you're you're not and and yeah you might be interested in let's say cars. Um, if I'm interested in cars and I look up muscle cars, all I see are muscle cars. Okay. That's not going to be detrimental, but it's also, I'm thinking more and more about that topic. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why I think the beauty and the looking more pretty and looking more like a, like a, like a fit masculine guy who's got big muscles. If that is your rewiring, you're thinking not about who you are in context of the gifts you have. You're thinking in terms of who you're not with everyone trying to become that influencer. I want to be, mm-hmm. I want to be big. I want everyone to see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't think they're coming out from a negative perspective because if they're like, Hey, I'm an expert in fitness, I'm going to produce content so people can see the content. Yeah. But if it's just one person that you're following, great. But then all of a sudden you got dozens of people that are now in your feed mm-hmm. and that's all you're seeing. It's, I, I think that's where it's toxic and I think parents need to really get a handle on TikTok and other you know programs, other apps for their kids. Do you have any uh, advice for parents regarding specifically with girls and young women? Where, because this is very common and we, we know that and the evidence is there. And it leads to self-harm, it leads to depression, it leads to uh, anxiety. I think that's kind of, it's, it's hard to say depending on who their daughter is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think support in being that cheerleader is, is always good, even when, you know, yeah, I don't know who I'm talking about here necessarily. If your daughter, even if your daughter's, I guess, going reckless, asking them, are you okay? That, that. Those three words, when people ask me that, sometimes I break down. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll be fine until they ask me that. And it's like, oh, no, no, I'm not. How how can I support you? How how are you feeling today? Maybe write down little, like, affirmations and have the daughter do affirmations. Um, Everything is kind of, it's hard to, there's no one tell-all solution. With it, that'd be really nice. <laughs> but yeah, I think just parents know their know their kids, and even if I think sometimes social media makes us feel like we don't know who the people are around us, who they're becoming, or who our kids may be, because they become so disengaged and involved 
in something that seems so uncontrollable because even if you put parameters on it, they'll probably find a way, honestly, to access it. It may make them want to access it more because they can't. Yes. And I think, yeah, trying to just normalize having a full range of emotions, talking about being a woman, having the expectations and having that open communication. And even if they're not asking for help, maybe ask if they need help. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great response. Uh, I think being inquisitive, what your child is thinking and spending time getting to know what your child is thinking. So that way you can have the conversation and not just assume we're all good. And and definitely that range of emotions of spending time you know, exploring what those emotions are. And not only for girls, I think for boys too. They definitely need to be able to talk about what's happening. Because if you're not, then that bottle up. And, and, and everyone's different on how they bottle yeah. it up. Yeah. And I think the scary part is we, we've seen people do some pretty harmful things to others and themselves when they're bottling it up and we're not intervening early. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I was actually just thinking about this this last week. This is kind of a good time to do the podcast because last week I was just kind of in a funk. Like I was just a little more fragile. Nothing necessarily different happened. I have been working a lot, doing a lot of things. So I think I kind of hit a wall, but I was more in a funk. And I was thinking about back when I was like 16 and if I was in a funk and Mm. when I was in a funk and how rude I was to some of the people around me that I loved the most. It's kind of like I was this fire and if you got too close, I would burn you. But if you stayed away, I'd keep you warm. And that's kind of a hard thing to balance, too, if, like, your kid's being real mean or your friend is being really mean and lashing out and finding those boundaries. And I've, I've had that s- struggle, too, um, with friends around me who I'm supporting, but they're also not treating me well. And I'm like, I don't deserve this, but also I see that you're hurting. So it's a hard balance of, like, finding the boundaries between that while still providing support. Yeah. Yeah. I think you touched on something I think is really, is really critical. And that is your friends really are big in how people respond to emotions or mindset shifts. It's amazing when you have a quality friend peer group Mm -hmm. and how they grow together and how they support each other and how they speak into each other's lives. It is pretty cool to see how that formulate the, the balanced person. Yeah. But then when you have that negative friend group, and I remember when I was in elementary school going into middle school, our friends group changed because some went to Goodman and some went to Kovacek. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, my friend group became very different. Mm. And it was actually really positive, and I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And and it really did shift in becoming more maybe goal oriented. Yeah, uh, I, I did martial arts all, all through, you know, middle and high school and college, mm-hmm. and my friends really were part of that, reinforcing who I was and who yeah. I was becoming. And and I think that that peer group definitely needs to be 
parents have a, have definitely have a role in in helping. Like, how are you guys doing as a oh, friend for group? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, community. The community aspect is is huge. Um, I just went was in Dominican Republic for two months, yes. and community was so powerful there. Like, they don't have as much materialistically than us. They have different pros and cons than us. But I was really able to f- like feel and be around what that community meant. And I have friends and everything, but we're all kind of in different spaces. Like we all live in different areas right now. So I've missed that community, but yeah, who you surround yourself with really feeds you because we have energy. We are energy. Energy can't be created or destroyed, but it can be transformed. And you too, you don't, it doesn't mean necessarily all the time too, if like you're listening to this and you're like, oh man, I got to get rid of my friends. There's <laughs> <laughs> <Like, laughs> <Except> one. <laughs> maybe two. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah, maybe just one or two. But also maybe you can be the change. Yeah. You know, uh, doesn't mean start ordering your friends around, but a really big thing that I've noticed is I can lead by example. And if you kind of do something, then your friends may be like, ooh, I like that. Yes. Again, back to the mirror neurons in our body, you'll see someone do that or the monkey see, monkey do type of thing. Um, we are we naturally want to connect in that way um, by copying each other. It's also a way of us to connect. Yes. And saying, I know a big thing is so easy, like let's say on, on the topic of, of drugs and partying, because that's common. It, it's a thing. Um, if you and your friend group want to try and change something and not just go drinking all the time, you guys got to do that together. Play Mario Kart yep. instead. Bring back the Wii. You know, do a board game. Go bowling. Um, finding those patterns and supporting each other, each other through it. Yeah, yeah, plays a big role. I think that's, that is cool. So you were in the Dominican Republic. What were you doing? Yeah, I was there for two months. I got an opportunity through Fairhaven to study public health there. So kind of typical day, we were staying in Sisua in this community, like 30 minutes away from the city up on this kind of hill area. There was probably 20, 30 houses. Most people are related or their family um, all together. And so we'd wake up, have breakfast, take Spanish class, and then come back to the community, have lunch, do a lecture. We were working with Dr. Carroll Initiative, and he is a community health organization that he has created to provide free healthcare services. And so we were working with him, learning about the healthcare there, learning about perspectives of being a doctor, looking at people, um, and some of the most impactful work that we did was when we went into the Batays. And Batays are mostly Haitian communities. The history of Batays come from the sugar plantains. I see. Mm-hmm. And so originally it was people, the government, bringing in Haitians and takes a while to get them from border to border every morning. That's kind of a lot. So they built them these communities. Originally they were built out of wood and then just palm, palm tree, like, uh, ceilings. Sure. But then a couple of 
them have been turned into cement walls. Dr. Carroll has worked into like making cement and volunteers have come in and some of them have zinc ceilings and um, not everyone has dirt floors, but they're very tight, tightly packed in there. Um, most people are using charcoal, maybe propane for cooking, no running uh, water. They have to bring their water from buckets right outside of the area. People were happier than you expected them to be because they had this community. And to see Dr. Carroll and his all of his workers, and Dr. Carroll himself is Haitian, um, and so he has been through a lot in his life, and he's gone through all those hurdles to his motto is to take the initiative. So mm, I like that. Yeah, yeah. We have shirts. We have these blue shirts. It was so funny wearing these blue shirts out in public because we're already like, it was eight of us girls, and you know, walking through, we're all white, like not many tourists in this area, and then we have our blue shirts on, <laughs> like drawing so much attention to ourselves. Like I kind of had some uh, imposter syndrome sometimes because. We were working in these communities. We also went into some of the hospitals and did some tours, and I, they were, like, treating me like I was special. I'm like, I'm not special. Mm. But um, but that's kind of just how it is, too, within, like, all the healthcare workers are much more glorified because it's not as accessible. But, yeah, we were really working, like, doing public health stuff. We went around and did surveyed everyone in the Bates. And then we also worked in another community, not as rural in the Bates, but they still, not a lot of them had running water, but more like better housing and spacing and they had more reproductive health over there. Um, but we kind of asked everyone like what kind of, you know, ceiling walls, what people live here, ages, education level, do you work, do you have citizenship, do you have running water, what are some of the common illnesses, and by asking all these questions, we can get a better point of like what they need and how we can support them, and maybe where some of these illnesses and issues are coming from. Is this the first time you went to like a developing country? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Is Peru? I went to Peru for like 10 days, 14 days. Kind of or probably so. depends on where you go. Like yeah. If you go we to went, a resort, very different experience. We we did go into um, more of the rural area okay. of it. But I wasn't there for a very long time. It yeah. was only a few days. But this was like two months. I was living w in with a host mama, Fatima, mm. mama Fatima. Yeah. And um, she didn't speak any English. Oh. So most of the people didn't speak English. Um, and so that was interesting, navigating the cultural differences, the language barrier. But in a way, like I was able to connect with the community members more than I do some of my like peers and like fellow Americans here. Um, Maybe that was just because we knew we had to kind of find this different way. But I'd always come home and give my mama a big old hug. And nice. she loved it. At the very end, she's like, Kaylee gives me more hugs than my husband does. <laughs> Being embedded in a country is so different than going to on vacation. Oh, yeah. And so I lived in Bangladesh for, for six months. Oh, cool. And being able to see the culture and, and really... Very different different culture. Definitely that whole idea of 
treated different because you're white. And, uh, you know, people would come right up and like literally be few inches from your face looking at your, your face. Yeah. And, uh, because they're, they're curious, but the, the, that social norm, like in America, if you do that, you're like, Wait, what's your problem? Yeah. Get you away. probably get punched yeah. in the face. And, then, uh, yeah. and there, they're like really close. Yeah. And so, in fact, <laughs> this is really funny. I, I wanted to buy a, a shirt that was kind of, uh, Bangladeshi mm-hmm. had that, that style. Mm-hmm. So I went into this this huge market, and that was it was packed. In fact, I thought, man, if, if there's a fire, I'm dead because there's no way I'm gonna get out of here because it was it was crazy. Yeah. So then I'm I'm like in a corner and kind of looking around, and and they go, well, try on the shirt. So I and it's hot, and I like the clothing is sticking to my my body. So I'm trying to pull off the shirt after I tried it on. And there was a lineup of Bangladeshis with their cell phones out taking pictures of me. Because oh I had gosh. no chests. It was like, yeah. like white chests. Yeah. And they're, they're, because they're fascinated. Yeah. So they took pictures. So I'm not sure how many images of, of me <laughs> are, are out there in, the, uh, in Bangladesh. <laughs> but it was so funny to be like, oh, wow. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. But definitely, I think uh, the best experience I ever had was, was, was doing that. And I know that you probably think a lot about that experience in the Dominican Republic, and it really does shape the way you think about the world, about mm-hmm. life. And you now have comparison of something that's very different than the Pacific Northwest, you know, experience. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I've actually um, have been experiencing a bit of reverse culture shock, and I didn't really expect it. I didn't expect to be so sad when I came home. Mm. Um, the first reverse culture shock that I experienced was right when I touched down in the Miami airport and had a five hour layover. I had been sitting for hours. So I just wanted to kind of walk around, but I needed to charge my phone. So I went to a little charging station, put my phone down, pop my headphones in and charge my phone now I was just kind of walking and I was like really in the moment just kind of observing everyone most people are in their phones or in their books and a lot of people were staring at me and would look up at me and I'd make eye contact with them too and we'd look <laughs> at each other and they're just looking at me and I'm like what like what what do you want and I kind of did some stretching and then some other guy joined me in the stretching a little bit not he didn't like join me but I think he did it because he saw me doing it but he did it a little ways away from me But that was a lot different. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. Well, it's those mirror neurons again. That's cool. (laughs) He saw it and he was like, oh, I need to stretch too. Um, So, yeah, that was just a lot different because in the Dominican, everyone was like so in the moment, so present. And then coming back and touching down, and like there's so many things happening around us. Like we get so stressed out over things. We just don't need to be getting stressed yes, out about. Absolutely. Yeah. Jonathan, he was our main community leader. Oh my gosh. I love him so much. He would always say, no worries, <laughs> no worries. We're like, Jonathan, you need to work. He's like, no worries. And now I'm like, no worries. <laughs> That's cool. So yeah, I've gained a lot after, after being yeah. there. Yeah. A big thing is like, 
You don't have to stress about everything. No. <laughs> yeah, I, it is funny that you're like, I've lived here my entire life. It's fine. I'll go back. It'll be okay. Yeah, it's definitely, it's given me a new perspective, too, of people who come from out of different, like, different countries. Yes. And when they're trying to learn our language and our different oh. cultures and yeah. it's like, wow, you know, you, you kind of understand and you have like sympathy, but sympathy is different than empathy actually going through something. And even then I don't know exactly how these people are feeling because they, what their journey was to get here and why they're here and, and all of that. But it kind of, it, it's different. You have to go through certain things to really understand it too. And sometimes that can be hard when you're trying to support someone that you just, you really don't understand. You're like, man, I want to help you. And you think you're helping them trying to do all the, but here's this, here's that, here's this. And it's just not hitting the mark because you just haven't been through it to know how to understand. And maybe that too, if, if somebody's struggling, if, you know somebody who's gone through a similar thing to like find them to yeah. talk to to have that have that connection even if it's not the same experience there's something about having a similar experience even if it's poopy especially if it's if it's not the best it just not feeling alone really yeah. it really helps yeah i am glad the way we uh conversed that day when you were in my office me too and one, I've told your story, I, not telling her, I didn't tell your <laughs> name, I told your story to other kids yeah. and shared about, hey, you can you can come back from this. Yeah. And this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. This is how it's going to feel. And you need people around you involved. And that whole idea of hiding, and especially with shame, it, it's amazing the negative impact that that has on us and our psyche. And the moment you are released from that and you have permission to say, no worries, <laughs> I'm not going to worry about this, yeah. but I'm going to also be real about how I'm feeling and I'm gonna, I need to seek that help of other people. Yeah. And I'm glad that you and your mom were able to, to do that. And because I think who knows how long you would have been in that funk and who knows the trajectory of you as a human being would look, I believe, very different. And and I think that's, a, for me, it's a special memory that I have. And, yeah. and I love that you are, you know, going to be a future Dr. Kaylee Means. <laughs> so, yes. so I think you have shared that you, down the road, are wanting to do a uh, podcast. Yeah, so, I am. So I... I I think what would be cool is uh, make sure that in the show notes that when that happens, I'll make sure they're inserted so people can find you. And then, um, but also, I know there are many girls and and many young women who have similar life experiences that this is going to speak volumes to. Mm -hmm. If there's that girl or that young woman who's listening, even though you might have already said it, what what would you what would you like to say to them right now? It does get better, <laughs> as cliche as that sounds. Um, there's a lot of cliches that you hear that you're like, yeah, that's dumb. I've heard that before. Start listening mm. because it's true. And a lot that you're going to feel like things are impossible a lot, but they are possible. And you can't do it alone. 
that's the big thing is that it gets better because you won't be doing it alone. And if you feel like you're alone, reach out and, and don't give up because it does get better. Yeah. It, it takes a lot better. of work though. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy. Um, unfortunately life isn't easy. I mean, our cells and our body are working hard every single day, but it pays off yeah. and you feel really good. And just allow yourself to be human. This doesn't mean put on a smile every day. You can drop the mask. Yeah. You can cry. You can look upset. You don't have to smile at everyone in the grocery store. Like, you can allow yourself to be the full existence of being human. Yeah. Like, I just had a bad day yesterday. I was crying, and I'm I'm here, you know, but I still have my down days. I still sometimes feel like I'm going backwards, but I just have to remind myself that I'm not, and that's just what being human yeah. is. And, yeah, get help because you're not alone, and... There is people to support you. Our healthcare system, it can definitely be really hard to navigate. Um, Psychology Today is a really helpful tool because you can go in there and put in your insurance, your location, what type of therapy, um, if you want to Zoom or in person. Mm. That's a really helpful tool because I think a lot of times it's like, especially when you're already in crisis and you're already feeling down, it's even harder to get help and to do those things. So that's a really nice tool to have. Um, but yeah. I think Michael Phelps, what I like about him, uh, obviously being the most incredible Olympian in, mm-hmm. in history, but for him to come forward and be honest about mental health issues that he was having and experiencing and being public about getting help. I think those messages are so reinforcing. We do need to remind people that, hey, help is there. It does get better. Mm-hmm. And that whole notion of giving other people grace, but giving yourself grace. Yeah. And that whole idea of of loving loving yourself and then and getting that community to really help foster the best version of you. Oh, yeah. Kaylee, so cool to uh, chat with you. Yeah. You have uh, become just an inspiring individual. i just uh, so glad that uh, we're able to do this today. Let's do this again when uh, when down. things are, uh, when you're ready for like, hey, round two. And because then do you want to be on my podcast? I'd love to. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. I'm super excited about my podcast. It'll be It'll be good. I wanted to add one more thing on body image and Mm. loving yourself. Your voice inside can be really loud. And my bestest friend, Sophia, I love her so much. We have helped each other through it a lot. And if I can't reach her or if I'm having a bad day, I think about what would I say to her right now? Mm. Let me be my own best friend. And so trying to talk to yourself like your own best friend. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, hey, we'll wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, thank you for, uh, for the time. And also uh, being here at Western is a Western Washington University is a beautiful campus. And it was fun to be around college students and just <laughs> watching from afar. It was hilarious. So, all right. You have a glorious day and 